Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, December 16th, 2016. And today we're reading from the, uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we are currently on page XXII, which is the forward to the third edition. And we're gonna be reading through the, uh, the first three paragraphs to get us started this morning. Uh, yesterday, uh, the, uh, the share ID, rather, for yesterday, Thursday, December 15th, is 9359. That's 9359. Today's readers, uh, we have Chris G. on the 12 Steps, Allison L. on the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text, we have Sylvia F., Nadia B., and Kelly S. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Now our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And at a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Let me now ask uh, Chris G. if you'd be kind enough to read the uh, 12 steps. Chris? Good morning, everybody. This is Chris G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. Thank you for being here. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Chris. Okay, let me now ask uh, Allison L. if you'd be kind enough to read the 12 traditions. Allison? 
Thank you. Good morning, and thank you for your service, Larry. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thanks so much, Allison. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from literature, then stop and share on what was read. And anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing a topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done done sharing, let us know by saying pass. And then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And so today we're gonna pick up uh, reading in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And we're currently Uh, starting the forward to the third edition, which is on page XXII. That's XXII. And so let me ask uh, Sylvia F. if if she'd uh, get us started. Sylvia, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, visionaries. This is Sylvia F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Northern California. And get my timer started. Nope. No, I'm not going to do that yet. By March, forward to the third edition, By March 1976, when this edition went to the printer, the total worldwide membership of Alcoholics Anonymous was conservatively estimated at more than 1 million, with almost 28,000 groups meeting in over 90 countries. Surveys of groups in the United States and Canada indicate that AA is reaching out not only to more and more people, but to a wider and wider range. Women now make up more than one-fourth of the membership. Among newer members, the proportion is nearly one-third. 7% of the AAs surveyed are less than 30 years of age, among them many in their teens. The basic principle of the AA program, it appears, 
hold good for individuals with many different lifestyles, just as the program has brought recovery to those of many different nationalities. The 12 steps that summarize the program may be called Los Doce Pasos in one country, uh, Los Doce Atapes in another, but they trace exactly the same path to recovery that was blazed by the early members of Alcoholics Anonymous. So here we have um, 21 years from between editions, and there's been this huge uh, expansion of AA. And why the basic principle of the AA program, you know, that, that this book and this literature has been able to carry the message of, of hope, of uh, spiritual um, and psychic transformation to so many people. And it doesn't even talk there about how it branched out to so many other, you know, satellite programs, O-A-N-A-D-A, um, which is what we've experienced now. And so in my own experience, uh, I traveled uh, for many years and lived in, other, lived in another country. And what was so amazing about um, the AA program for me is that I could be in the most rural place in uh, Latin American countries and I, can I could find an AA program and an AA book and I could find recovery wherever I was. I was really lucky because um, a vision for you had started. And so wherever I was, I could dial in and I could hear the recovery that I needed to hear. The other thing that I did is wherever I was, even though I had a sponsor in the U.S., sometimes telephone lines were difficult or, t or time zones or, or et cetera. And so I would pick up, I would find someone in AA who was like someone who really had recovery through the big book, who had, you know, was following the precise directions. And wherever I was, I would find someone to help me um, in my recovery. And so what it always said to me is that if I wanted recovery, it didn't matter where I was, who I was with what was happening in my life and a lot of crazy stuff was happening uh, that, that it was easy to reach out and find, um, find the support that I needed and, and the message. And so uh, now I'm finally settled down. We're living in Northern California. I'm delighted to be able to go to groups um, here in the Bay area. And it is such a delight to be able to carry the message of this book, the precise directions, and share that here in the Bay Area, and you know the, the uh, exponential um, growth that they were having. That's what I feel like is happening now because of a vision. And it's not that it's a vision; it's because we've gotten back to the Big Book. The Big Book um, is responsible for my recovery and the actions I took, and um, and it's helped so many people. When when I first started. And I see my time is done. I'll wind up. Uh, when there were like 30 people on the line and there was a pause, someone, you know, the moderator would say, would someone like to share? And they'd be quiet for you know, a little bit, which we don't happen here anymore. And now we have, you know, hundreds of people on the line every day. And why is it? It's because of this basic principle of the AA program. It works. And with that, I pass. Sylvia, thanks so much. Hey, Leah, can, am I, I think I was coming through faint. Can you hear me better now? Or someone can let me know. Or if, am I still coming through faint? I, 
I hear you fine, Larry. This is Sylvia. Oh, oh, thanks, Sylvia. Great, great, great. Perfect. Okay, so with that little digression here, um, we're going to open it up to sharing. Um, and again, we're on, uh, we, we st Sylvia started us off in, in the forward to the third edition, the first three paragraphs, and you can comment on all three. So who would like to share on what was read? Tina S. Okay, who else? I got Tina. Shannon S. Shannon. Katie F. We got Katie. Harlan G. Hey, Harlan. Okay. And Julie R. And Julie. Well, let's go with those. We got five. Five people. We got Tina, Shannon, Katie, Harlan, and Julie. Tina, you're up. Good morning. Morning, Larry. Uh, thanks for your service, Tina. S. Compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Well, what a, what a great read and, and a wonderful share. Certainly appreciate it. Uh, you know, one of the things that really strikes me is that you know, uh, by March 1976, I graduated from high school in 1976, and I'm so grateful that that this movement uh, was uh, expanding and growing. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I held on to in this read was that, you know, uh, that it didn't matter what the language of the mouth was, you know, the language of the heart and the walk is the same. And um, so grateful that nothing has really changed so that we could have the experiences of those that went before us. And, you know, uh, you know, this is, you know, this is who I am. You know, I am also a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, but I came to OA and AA at the same time. And, you know, the news of the big book and the 12 steps, which is the solution, held true for me, just my story, more so in Alcoholics Anonymous because that's, you know, I came in in 1987 and that's not my abstinence state, okay? So I'm so grateful that finally being beaten down that I... God's presence for sure, divine intervention. I was uh, introduced to somebody who was doing the deal in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous. And so I was like ready, you know, so ready to, to have my life transformed. And, and that's what has come about through these 12 steps and, you know, and, and the traditions and the concepts and all of that. And so very grateful, so very grateful with that. I'll pass. Thanks. Okay, thanks, Tina. So from way up north up there, hey there up there, Shannon. Good morning. <laughs> Shannon from uh, super cold Minnesota here. Um, but grateful with all your warm hearts on the line. So the biggest thing that was coming up from these paragraphs and reflection is um, the word imagine. Um, I've been using that a lot for my program recently as to you know, imagine what would it have been like if these men and women did not go through this painstaking process of developing AA and developing this book. Because um, I know that, you know, I'm a human being just like we all are, and we can take this program, at least I can take this program for advantage and get kind of um, grumpy about it. But then I get into a good reality check, and I really, you know, help myself see with the help of God, like Shannon, what would it be like if these people would have never gotten out of selfish mode? You'd have been screwed. So I just, you know, anytime that I forget how much energy and how much 
of our higher powers to channel to these people to make these additions and to make these chapters in this book, I bring that question, like, can you imagine what it would have been like without it? So, and then I grow gratitude in a real hurry. So those are just some things that popped up into mind, and they also didn't want to endure the, the awkward silence, so I just said I would share. <laughs> okay. Um, love you guys all. Take care. Hey, thanks, Shannon. Katie, good morning. You're up. Good morning. This is Katie Upper, recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And, you know, in 1976, I was um, 16. And I didn't really know much about the big book at that time, but I had actually gone to a meeting the year before in 1975. Um, and, you know, uh, the, they gave me um, uh, a gray sheet. And um, that's all I remember is they talked about, um, you know, putting down the food, total abstinence. And, and I thought, no, I, I don't need that. I, I just, you know, need um, to lose some weight, which at that time was only about 15 pounds. And, um, you know, thank God that this program has continued, um, despite my um, indifference to it, that when I did come back in 1981 with now 30 pounds to lose, you know, it was still here. And then I struggled in these rooms for six years and found a program, you know, when I was desperate and now had 70 pounds to lose um, when I was 27. So, you know, the consistency is the big book. And that's what this is talking about is the fact that we haven't rewritten the uh, book to suit, you know, someone like me who is skeptical when they first walk in the rooms. It's like nothing changed except my disease progressed and got worse and worse and worse. And, you know, 70 pounds isn't a lot. Um, now, now I think, you know, if I went back out there uh, with the means I have, with the food that's available, with the isolation I could have, I live in the middle of a, you know, 800 acre farm um, and close the blinds and turn off my phone and you would never know where I went and you know but God has constantly given me a fellowship around me whether it's through a phone line um you know I moved to Colorado and met some people there um and they wanted you know what I had and you know I'm only in touch with two or three of those people today 25 years later but at that time it was um you know a fellowship that I needed and, you know, I moved here and uh, my whole family got on board. They got on board for a few years. And, you know, I was um, not uncomfortable at family events. Well, now none of them are in recovery, but I have all of you. And so, you know, all I have to do is show up. And that's what this is telling us is to keep carrying this message. The message doesn't have to change, but... Um, but you will find people who want what you have, and they will be willing to do what you do, but you can't make them do it. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Katie. So from Virginia all the way to balmy Phoenix, Harlan, good morning. <laughs> Scottsdale, actually, but uh, it was 75 right. here yesterday. So 
If any of you are thinking of a vacation spot, we're here and we'll go to a meeting together. It shouldn't be 75 today. It should be a little cooler, but still better than where you're at probably, especially Minnesota or Chicago. Chicago is brutal right now. Harlan, recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I came into this program three years after this edition was written. I came in in February, February 2nd, 1979. I came in as one of the people that was in these statistics. I was 24 years old when I came into this program. I was 30 years younger than anybody in that room and two, three, four hundred pounds fatter than anybody in that room. I looked around that room that night and I looked around that room for a long time and I knew why I was there, but I couldn't for the life of me figure out why they were there. They looked thin. Of course, to me, anyone was thin. They looked like they had money. Some of them drove Cadillacs and Lincolns and you know all kinds of fancy cars. And it was Skokie, Illinois. It was the 70s. It was the 80s. It was beautiful neighborhood. What were these people doing there? What I didn't understand is that every one of us was bound together by a nightmarish suffering that came about as the result of a disease that we didn't choose, we didn't cause, we can't cure, and we can't control. I came to understand that no matter who you are, this disease will strike you down and will not let you go. And that money and that things that are of this earth, and when I look back at page 60, when I look back at page 60, it says, A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. What does that mean? That means I have an allergy of the body and a twist of the mind, and I can't manage my own life. And B, and this is the key, that probably no human power could have believed our alcoholism that nothing of this earth, nothing that is skin, nothing that is money, nothing that is of this earth is going to help me. See that God could and would if he were sought. It says here in the paragraphs that we just read, it says, but they trace exactly the same path to recovery that was blazed by the earliest members of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's classic because it works, and it's free, and it's doable. Page 88, the most important sentence in the book. It works. It really does. If you are on this line right now, don't worry about the fact that I've lost 500 pounds, and maybe you don't have to lose that much weight. Don't worry about the fact that there are people on this line with Years and years of abstinence from compulsive overeating. Don't worry about that. Don't look beyond where you are today. My strongest invitation to you is this. Take our hands. Let us help you. And for wherever you are, let us bring you, let God bring you, not us, excuse me, let God in these steps bring you to the next rung on the ladder and the next rung on the ladder and the next rung on the ladder. That this works. This works whether you're black or white, whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you're green or yellow, this works. Let us help you, and God will run to you when you walk to him 
so that one day you'll be able to say, you have X amount of years of abstinence. You have done what you needed to do to recover and that you are a recovered compulsive overeater. And yes, it's possible. And yes, it's being done. And no, there are no reasons, excuse me, why you can't recover. We are here for you, and so is God. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Harlan. Um, okay, Julie, are you out there in California? Yes, I am. <laughs> Good morning. Hi, Julie, our recovered compulsive overeater from California. And you know, some everybody's already said what I was going to say, but I came into the rooms in 1981. I was 22 and about 242 pounds at that time. And I was given a gray sheet and a big book because that's what they used. And I didn't really want the big book. I just wanted to be thin. So, you know, I I didn't really take what the big book had to offer because I didn't want to do that stuff. So, of course, I, I got abstinent and lost weight, gained it back, long story. So now I, when I came back to OA again, I was 300 pounds. And that's after losing, you know, weight two or three times, but never really taking the big book and doing exactly what it said. And that that last sentence where it says, but they trace exactly the same path to recovery that was blazed by the earliest members. And it's so exciting for me to have big books, I swear, in every room of my house and my other house. And... I can go to it because that's what I, I follow exactly what those people did when they first started because I want to keep what I have that they had, total freedom, total neutrality. I mean, I am baking in the middle. I have like 500 cookies already done. They're just cookies. They're, I don't have a desire to eat them. It's because I am free and I'm only free because I follow exactly what this book says. I do not deviate from it. I do not ad lib from it. I do. I live in 10 and 11 and 12, which is all of the steps. I do my prayer. I do everything. I do exactly what the first hundred people did because I will die. The next time I come back, if I were to leave and come back, I might be 500 pounds or I would be dead. So I'm so excited because the meetings in Auburn, well, there are no meetings in Auburn again, but the next town is big book meetings. There's big book meetings all over at California, which is so cool. Um, thank God those didn't go away. It says that I went away. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Julie. Hey, Nadia, we're going to get to you here. We're going to take, is there anyone else want to share on what was read? I'd like to share, Larry. This is Vasa. Nessa R. Okay, let's go. Let's go with Vasa and Nessa, and then we'll move on to you, Nadia. Vasa, good morning. Okay, thank you. Good morning, Larry and everyone. I am a grateful, recovered compulsive overeater calling from Florida, and uh, I was introduced uh, uh, to the Big Book uh, October twenty-fifth, nineteen eighty-six, and uh, I was around. 30 pounds overweight at that time, and there was nothing more that I wanted than to take the weight off. And I remember seeing thin people there also, and I remember saying, what are they doing here? 
because that was my plan. I remember saying, when I get thin, then I'm going to leave this program. Well, I'm so grateful I didn't. I stayed because I kept on hearing people that left and what happened to them. I, mean, I, I heard all kinds of stories because I kept coming and listening to the people's, other people's experiences. And again, over the years, I mean, I'm very short. I'm like five, five, one, five, five, one. But anyways, and but I had gained and lost and gained and lost like many, many pounds over the 25 years of my life. But to me, I just wanted to lose the weight and I just wanted to get out of there. But I am so grateful I stayed and I have been saved from this horrible, deadly disease and I learned from the beginning, you know, what the allergy was. I had no idea I had the allergy from certain foods, and I'm grateful that I could put them down, and the mental obsession. So it's such a gift. If this works for, has worked for me, it can work for any one of us that come to this program. I'm so grateful. I have the pictures, and it's actually vision for you. It's amazing that I can go on it every morning. And my mission is to pass it on. Thank you very much for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks, thanks, Vasa. Just a gentle reminder, if you're not Nessa, Nessa, please unmute your phone. Good morning, Nessa. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. It's Nessa R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Balmy, Toronto, Canada, where we're covered in snow and we're like 10 below Fahrenheit and more snow on the way. Um, so this paragraph brings me back to my very early years, um, you know, when I felt so different, alone, and unique as I stuffed my face with all sorts of foods and then um, bent my head over toilet bowls all over, all over the place and you know, wherever I went. Um, and I, I thought I was the only one who, who looked like this because I was very fat since I was a little kid. And I was the only one who ate like I ate. And I was the only one who did, you know, what I did in bathrooms and stalls all over, all over town. Um, and what this, this paragraph tells me two things. Number one, um, that the problem is universal. I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. And the solution is also universal. You know, um, food was the solution that I found to my living problems. But when I couldn't stand it anymore, I tried to stop. I, 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 I tried to find solutions to my solution. And, you know, none of them really worked. I, I, I tried so many things. Um, and sometimes I was able to stop, but I could never stay stopped. I always got started again. And, you know, this paragraph also tells me where I went wrong, you know, because I was trying to find solutions on my own. I was trying to reinvent the proverbial uh, wheel. And it tells me here, you know, the path blazed by others. It tells me there is a solution already. I don't have to rack my brain trying to figure out what else to try because here is something that is tried and true. This is something that has worked for so many thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and maybe even millions before me, you know, 
in all sorts of countries, all sorts of um, addi different addictions. Um, so why do I need to reinvent the wheel? You know, uh, I was reinventing the wheel because I didn't know. I didn't know, even in the rooms of OA, I, I didn't know that there was a tried and true solution because I was never exposed to the big book in this way. And thank God, thank God that I was. And thank God for this back to basics um, meeting um, that are that is putting the focus back on the real solution so that others don't have to keep doing what, what I did with food and they don't have to keep trying to uh, devise solutions and actually poor solutions on their own because here we have something that is tried and true and it's universal and with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to mute the lines real quick so Nadia you can come in. Hey, Nadia, can you come in to, uh, to continue our reading for us? And you're going you're gonna to have to uh, unmute your line, Nadia, by pressing star one. Larry, can you hear me now? Hey, Nadia, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay, good, good. All the way, I can't spell Connecticut, but all the way from Connecticut, Nadia. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B. in Connecticut. Um, having trouble to unmute. <laughs> um, in spite of the great increase in size and the span of this fellowship, at its core, it remains simple and personal. Each day, somewhere in the world, Recovery begins when one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic, sharing experience, strength, and hope. Um, and let me start my timer here. Uh, recovery begins, and that's what I want to talk to um, today. That's what spoke to me this morning. Um, you know, recovery begins just like it began with, you know, before I was born, uh, with meeting of Abby and Bill, meeting Bill and Bob, um, when uh, the experience of one recovered um, addict, you know, in my case, compulsive overeater, um, is shared with someone that is in desperate need for help. Uh, which brings me to, um, you know, my favorite description of an alcoholic on page 80, um, 44. If you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely. Or if you're drinking, you have little control over the amount you take. You're probably alcoholic. And that brought me to realization that I needed help. And, um, you know, uh, I um, also, it brings me to, um, you know, realize um, what my job is as a recovered compulsive overeater, um, and it is to carry the message. And what is my message today? Um, you know, it is my experience, my struggle with food so many years. Um, also, you know, how I escaped. And then you can do it, too, if you honestly want to. My recovery began with calling someone um, that was recovered. I didn't see her. I didn't know how 
big or small she was, but I heard peace and um, I wanted it. Um, so for someone that is struggling today, and that's why I'm on the line every day, um, listening to you guys, learning, um, your recovery can start today um, by, you know, picking up that phone and ask for help. Uh, when you're ready, um, you know if you're a compulsive overeater. If you're not a compulsive overeater, uh, you know, um, you might not need this program. But if you cannot stop, like I couldn't for years trying, um, you might need some help. And we are here uh, no matter how, um, you know, thin or thick or um, how you know, long we've, uh, we've been recovered, we can help by sharing our message. And um, I truly encourage everyone um, that really needs help to ask for it. And it's here. Uh-huh. And um, without that. Thank you, Nadia. Okay, who would like to share on what was read? Christy G. Reva P. Melissa C. Leah M. Danielle O from New York. Lynn. All right, here's who I have. Uh, okay, I've got Christy, got Reva, Melissa, Leah, Danielle, and Lynn S. Not sure if we'll get through them all, but let's start up with uh, Chrissy. You're up to the plate, Chrissy. I've been actually thinking about a lot, mm, sorry, a lot lately um, because I've been blessed to have a couple of new people that I'm working with, and I I used to have this message when I was first recovered that was so different. It was sort of like from a lofty place, and my message has changed so much. It's it's so I hope. I, I I hear just more relatable than um, it used to be. It's sort of like, you know, when you get through the years of raising children, through the baby years, and you look back and you see young moms, and you're like, it goes so fast. And, you know, in those moments when you are not getting any sleep and you have vomit all over you, that it goes so fast and that it's so much better on the other side, isn't inspiring. It's sort of um, frustrating and discouraging um, because you can't really see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I think that's what it's like for a newcomer to say, wow, you're all the way up on that spiritual mountaintop. You know, look at how far I have to climb. But if, we, if I can be an example of how to use the, the, this program in a functional way, in my life to get through difficult emotions and make have breakthroughs to be more my truer self, be more loving and open every day. If that's if that's what I'm an example of and and that's in it's really gritty and it's really practical and it's um, you know, boots boots on the on the street, however you say that saying, it's it's not it's not from a mountaintop. So I have to be able to share my difficulties and be really honest about the fact that 
I utilize this program every day. I work it. If it if they were tools, they would be worn well, you know. If they, if they were uh, physical tools that you could see, and and that I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Thanks Chris. So much, Chris. Um, and next, um, and next, we have a Reva. We have a Reva next. Good morning. This is Reva P. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. The thing that strikes me this morning is that every day recovery begins. And you know, no matter how many years I've been in this program, no matter how many years of abstinence I can say I racked up, recovery begins every day. It's almost like I have a battery that runs out at midnight, and then the next morning, if I don't charge and do the same things um, to keep that charge, I don't function. Um, and yesterday I had a really, really challenging day. I am not great driving in snowstorms. Um, and I had somebody in this program share their strength. I guess it was strength and hope. And my little angel guided me um, in the car um, till I got home safely. And then I uh, had to do a step 10 and I had somebody um, listen. Um, to my sharing, and I am just so amazed how recovery begins all the time with every new experience, and it's limitless expansion and spiritual development. I'm never finished. I came here thinking I was doing a six-month program, get the food in order, get my weight together, and I'm out of here. I'm going to go live my life. This is my life. Um, this is the only way to live happy, joyous, and free that I've ever known. And it just reminds me where it says on page 85, all I have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance and, I guess, growth of my spiritual condition and the power of one recovered compulsive overeater sharing experience, strength, and hope just emulates what they say on page, um, what is it, 18? The ex-problem drinker who has found the solution, who is properly armed with the facts about himself, can win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. That this man has had the same difficulty, man or woman, has had the same difficulty, that he knows what he's talking about, that his whole deportment shouts at the new prospect that he's a man with a real answer and all he wants to do is have a sincere desire to be helpful. Like this is the way it's effective. This is the core. This is the simple way that it's effective. And I am just so grateful and so humbled um, by the way this works and the people who are gracious to extend their hands um, when I feel like I just can't go on another minute. Um, it is just awesome. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. Okay, all the way over to New York. Melissa, good morning. Hi, this is Melissa C. I, I was unmuting. I think you called me, right? Yeah, you're up. Okay. Hi, thanks. It's Melissa C. Recovered in, in freezing in New York. Um, and, uh, you know, so there's like millions of people that um, this 12-step way of life um, has impacted and, um, you know, and so, and it touches all sorts of addictions, all sorts of people, um, and that's huge and comforting and, and, you know, grand, but that it really just begins between two people. 
is, you know, just the most intimate, um, powerful thing, you know, and that, um, you know, and so when I, when I talk to people, when I am, am carrying the message, um, you know, we, I, I know I have to lead first with um, the weakness, you know, that this, what I have is fatal, you know, and I, and I always go at it really from that angle, that what I have was killing me and will kill me if left untreated. And if you believe you have the same thing, if you believe what you have is fatal, um, you know, then, then we can begin somewhere, you know, and um, so <clears throat> when I carry the message, when I talk about recovery, I have to share um, the ugly, painful parts, you know, the parts that I cover up and, and um, try to hide from the rest of the world. That's not what I do um, in these conversations. It's, it's very real. It's very raw. And, and it's not um, in a show-off kind of way. It's not like, you know, this isn't bragging rights that I can tell you, you know, well, I was over 300 pounds. And, you know, it's not like how bad did this disease hit me and, and now so I'm somehow more worthy. But it's just to show um, how painful it was, how bad it was, the things I did, um, the lengths that I went to, to to get my food and how it took everything away, you know, how it how it just was destroying everything. And and that's really how our conversations with people begin. And then they either identify in they can, um, you know, see, they shake their heads, yes, this is me, yes, that's, that, that sounds like me, that sounds like my life, you know, and, um, and that's like, when that happens, it's, it's, I feel like the power of God inside of me and around me, it's just dynamic, um, and that's what happened for me when, you know, when the message was carried to me, someone shared their most intimate pain, and it blew my mind that they did what I did, and they didn't look like they were doing it any longer, and they didn't sound like they were doing it any longer. And um, it can happen. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Hey, Leah, Leah before you share, can you mute the lines? I would appreciate it. Good morning, Larry. Um, Thanks for your service. Much appreciated. Um, In spite of the great increase in the size and the span of this fellowship, at its core, it remains simple and personal. What's a core? A core is like the heart, the heartbeat of something. Um, And that's what the 12 steps are. The 12 steps are the core of the program. Yes, we have fellowship, and what a wonderful fellowship it is. Such variety, I like to say, like pieces of a mosaic that when put together form a picture of hope. That's what this line is all about. And fellowship is very, very powerful, but it's not powerful enough to create that vital change that someone like me needed. Uh, The vital change that someone like me needed um, was accomplished through the core of the program, which is the 12 steps. See, I don't know about your disease, but I can tell you about mine. I did not have a rough time compulsive overeating. I did that very, very well for many years, 
even though my first visit to Overeaters Anonymous was when I was 19, uh, and the disease continued to beat me to a pulp um, until I came again. Well, I actually was locked up in a facility um, at the age of 23, and someone sat across from me, someone in whom the problem had been solved, and cracked this text open for me and brought it through life to life for me through his personal experience. And then he shined the light for me so that I could implement these same 12 steps. And these steps removed the character defects and allowed me to become a different person, a recovered person. This is not about self-recognition uh, or, um, you know, success. This is about raising of the dead. How do you explain someone like me who was completely enslaved by compulsive overeating as even as a very, very, very young child? And through the implementation of these, these steps and this work that I could rise up out of a seemingly hopeless state of body, mind and body, this is, uh, this is my experience through implementing these steps. You know, I haven't needed to take that first compulsive bite since January 19, 1987. <laughs> and that's nothing about personal success or personal power. That's about the fact that this program has given me the steps and the principles to work and to influence in every facet of my life within myself and within my attitudes so it's no longer necessary for me to look for some outside substance or some contents of a cellophane bag in a bakery box to make me comfortable about living on this planet. And that is the message of hope that we have for each and every one on the line. Um, again, this is not about personal success. This is about being restored to sanity, having soundness of mind, being relieved of the obsession for food, and to be free of the beast whispering in my ear. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leah. Okay, next we have Danielle followed by Lynn. Danielle, good morning. Danielle, if you can press uh, star one to unmute your phone. Oh, thank you. Didn't realize I was muted still. Hi, everyone. Danielle, compulsive overeater from northern New York. I am, uh, my first go around at these steps and these, this work and recovery happened quite a few 24 hours ago. And you know, when I first did it, I did it with the best intention, with the most amount of willingness I had at the time. But it wasn't until I got abstinent that I started to see how much I didn't quite get. And I'm grateful that I'm one of many who stuck around the program to to get to this place and, and recovery. I was 14 years sober before I came into OA, and I thought, well, this can't be so difficult. And I had that ego going on where I thought, mm, you know what, I think I could just manage this and do okay without a lot of help. I know the, the book. I know which books to look at. I know how to read. I can get to meetings. I really think I can handle this okay. And was, I was totally wrong. And I needed more and more of uh, recovery since coming into OA. I've needed uh, not only the steps and traditions, but to really be studying what this work is all about. And by doing the reading and writing every day, it has brought me to a deeper level of understanding. And although I've, I had uh, a rough 
first go around, I've had this ability and, and wonderful gift of having a second childhood and a second life. And as time has passed, I've learned a miracle. And that's what I'm really enjoying in my life right now. I am grateful to be absent a day at a time, watching others do the same, and just continue to be part of the miracle. And there's a lot of feedback, which is kind of making this kind of echo in my head. So I thank you, everyone, this morning for being here, and I will be sure to join you the next time I'm able to. Thank you. Thanks, Danielle. I'm not sure why the feedback was coming at the end. We heard most of what you had to say there. Okay, Lynn, good morning. It's your turn. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. This first line is really striking me and taking me down so many different levels in spite of the great increase in the size and span of this fellowship. At its core, it remains simple and personal. And my mind was just going back to meetings that I've been at in Akron where we've been in a baseball stadium and there's 500 people in one meeting at one particular time in one city. But there were also two other meetings going on in Akron at that time. And then there were meetings in different other parts of Ohio and then meetings in other parts of the states and then meetings in Canada and meetings all over the world at that particular time. And just thinking the amazing size of it and and, and remembering, you know, being um, in Toronto for the, the AA convention and not meaning to talk about AA so much, but just the volume of it, the size of it, the incredible amount of people worldwide that have been helped by this program, and yet it doesn't change it. It, it Recovery still starts in the core, and it's simple and personal, and it's one recovering alcoholic speaking to another or one recovering compulsive overeater speaking to another with God. It's just it's just so amazing. And when it talks about the core program, it remains simple and personal. That just really brought me to the realization that working the steps brings me to my core, to my... It strips away all that, all those old thoughts and beliefs that I had. That you know, it says we, we um, it was nil until we let go absolutely, let go of what, not of the cheesecake and not of the cookies, which absolutely have to be put down, but all those old thoughts and beliefs that drove me to act and react the way I did. And it, it, it program. Recovery brings me to the core of my being, which is a God-centered person. And living from that core, not the other core I was living from, I can be in recovery. I can be happy, joyous, and free. I can be the person that God intended me to be and live the life that God wants me to live. And for that, I am so grateful. And I pass. Thanks so much, Lynn. Okay, that's we're going to wrap it up here. Um, thank you to everyone who has shared. Uh, thanks to all the readers. Please join us for a, a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And we're now going to close from the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And let me ask uh, Kelly S. If, Kelly, would you be kind enough to read that for us? Sure. This is Kelly S. in Oklahoma. 
recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.